that he uh, defied God in his plan and followed the devil in his, if you will, proposition. Adam gave it over. Jesus came, died on a cross, and took it back. And death has lost its sting. It has no sting. It has no power over us when we come to Christ. You've heard me say this many times out of Colossians that uh, death, there's a point where uh, mortality puts on immortality and death is swallowed up by life. While we dwell in these mortal bodies, we see each and every day, every single day, we face something. If you got it all together and you're living for Christ and you're not uh, mistreating others and you're, you're living in a righteous manner, it's because of the work of Christ. You can't boast in that. Christ did the work and that's the only reason why you're able to live that way is because He is working in you. He's perfecting His work in you. The work that He's begun, He's performing until the final day of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no boasting in what we do. It's only in Christ. If you don't have it all together and you're messing up, guess what? Here's what the amazing thing is. Jesus died on a cross. And he died for your sin one time. And that's it, right? No, he died for your sin once and for all. And when you came to Christ, he came to set you free. That may be a process in your life, but the work of Christ is a complete work. Make no mistake about it. It's up to you. To work that salvation out with fear and trembling unto God, which uh, is your act of obedience to the work that he's done. Can you say amen? So as we're going into this series on Christ or Jesus revealed, excuse me, Jesus Christ revealed. Our Jesus revealed series today, I want to talk about grace is Jesus revealed. Say that with me. Grace is Jesus revealed uh, we have a scripture here and it shows that very clearly titus 2 11 through 15 says for the grace of god has appeared say appeared bringing salvation for all people grace brought salvation did jesus bring salvation or did grace bring salvation jesus who is grace brought salvation training us to renounce say renounce ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the in the present age waiting for our blessed hope doing what waiting for our blessed hope we're the ones that are crucifying those fleshly passions if you will and we're waiting for the blessed hope and the only reason we can wait for the blessed hope while we work through process of, of putting down those uh, um, fleshly passions, those worldly passions, is because of the work that Christ did to give us grace. Amen? Listen to this. Uh, verse 14, or excuse me, verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawless and lawlessness, excuse me, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, is exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Now say, Pastor, God has given you authority to rebuke, 
with all authority and to let no one disregard you. This is Paul telling Timothy, hey, that church you're pastoring, here's what I want you to do. You declare the truth to them and don't let anybody disregard you. Rebuke the lie or the person. The lie. Here's the deal. God loves every human being on this planet. That's why he gave his son. God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, verdict, it's over. God's love for mankind exists. But the state of mankind is one that needs to be redeemed. And the only way it can be redeemed is to acknowledge God's love towards you. For us to acknowledge God's love toward each and every one of us and all mankind and to preach the gospel for what it is. If the gospel isn't an offense, I don't know what it is. See, we, we want to preach the gospel today. God loves you so much and there's nothing offensive about the cross. The cross is an offense to mankind. The cross is an offense to our pride. The cross is an offense to our flesh. And here how it's, is, is how it stands as an offense. Because it says you are not good enough and you can't make it on your own. Now we Americans know that's, that's kind of a slap in the face, isn't it? We can handle everything on our own, right? We're the nation of independence. Amen? Are you all with me this morning? We're a nation of independence. I can make everything on my own. I can make it happen. The reality is, is no, you cannot. None of us can. The cross is an offense to our pride. The cross is an offense to humanistic thought. I can make it. Oh, we together, we can make it. No, we with Christ can make it. Because without Christ, there's no making it. Even if you make it in this life, on the day you give an account for your life, it's a simple verdict before that judge, in or out. Enter in, thou good and faithful servant, or what? Depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, it's not gray to me. I don't know about you, but when I read the scriptures, they're really not gray. Life is gray. My life has a lot of gray. But... The kingdom of God really is black and white. You're in or you're out. Say amen. It's a fact. And everything in our society today, the way that we see the gospel message being turned, is we see it being turned into this thing that says, well, there's many ways to get there. And that's not true. There's only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. And in him, there's grace enough to live freely. And with joy. Amen. Listen to this same passage now out of the New Living Translation. For the grace of God has been revealed. Salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world. Underline these with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God. Say that with me. Wisdom. Righteousness. And devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to what uh, that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Here's that word again, revealed. That there is a, a grace that has been revealed to us so that we can live in Christ. But we look forward in hope to that day where Christ will be revealed in another way. See, the Jews wanted him to come as king. Amen. And he came as a as a savior king. 
He still was a king, but he came to die on a cross. And they're looking for him to establish the kingdom. They wanted him to establish the kingdom in the flesh. Jesus came and died in the flesh that he might establish the kingdom in the spirit. And we ourselves, when we acknowledge him and the work that he did in the flesh and follow likewise and crucify the passions of the flesh, we pick up our cross and follow him. And crucify those passions. What happens is, is we get to live that resurrected life in the spirit. Then one day, no, the resurrection power of God is here and now to work in our life if we give it place. But the resurrection power of God does not work with us giving place to the flesh. Can you say amen? Give place to the flesh, and the kingdom of God is not working in that. Give place to the spirit, the kingdom of God is working in that. It's that simple. Let me read on here. Verse 14, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. Paul's saying this to Timothy. Let me give you this example. When Jesus showed up, On this earth, born of a virgin, he, we already know about our J-12ers, we kind of release them. We want them to know from 9 to 12 years old, man, we want them to be locked in and be about their father's business when they're 12 years old. What's the example of that? Jesus in the temple was about his father's business at 12. Heard me say this before, but he was about his father's business at 12. And he's confounding Pharisees and Sadducees, the scholars of their day. He's confounding them. Why? Because it wasn't in the flesh. It was in the spirit. These men knew law, but they was not in the spirit. Christ was both law and spirit. He was the fulfillment of the law. He did not come to destroy the law, he said. I came to fulfill it. He was the fulfillment of the law, but he was the manifestation of the spirit of God in this earth in flesh. And he set the example for us. He was the one that went before, and when he ascended back to heaven, see, he came down from heaven, but then he went back up to heaven. And when he goes back up to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit so that we can walk as he walked on this earth. Not only in a righteous manner, holy, being able to put the flesh under, but in a manner to be able to manifest the spirit of God manifesting through us the same gifts, the same miracles, the same signs and wonders that Jesus did. When we understand that, it turns us to understand that that is by the grace of God and no other way. Our salvation is by the grace of God and the works of God in us manifesting among us is by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. Amen. So God's grace has been revealed to us and one day His glory will be revealed, is what it says in that passage in Titus. I want to read this story to you. I felt like it would really give us a good reflection upon the grace of God in a natural sense of what we see around us every day that we can take for granted in situations of how we respond towards one another in grace. Grace is not permission to defy or to to deny God. 
say that again. Grace is not permission to deny or defy God. Grace is simply saying, look, Jesus did this for you, and there is a way that you can walk with God. He reconciled man to himself. And do you know the Bible says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation? The intent is that we reach out to others by the grace of God. And everybody knows that Angie was a... Yeah, you guys, you know, I caught them up in Billings, Montana that. They got it like that, man. On the Sunday, I said Angie was, and they all like, a wicked, wicked sinner. I was like, wow, man, they locked onto that. And you all know it's, it's, it's easy for me to use Angie because I won't offend her. It's true. If I used one of you, you might be like, Pastor, I mean, I'm out of here. He called me a wicked, wicked sinner and got the whole congregation to say it. The whole point is we're all wicked, wicked sinners who need Jesus. You can't trust your flesh for one moment. I'm telling you right now, you can't trust it. But see, what happens is, is when we go to others, the manifestation of grace is this. I'm not giving you permission to deny, right? I'm not giving you permission to disregard the kingdom of God and all that it is. I'm not giving you permission for that. I'm inviting you to come walk in all that it is. So uh, you've heard me say it before. Grace does not holds you captive to sin. Grace is always inviting you to walk in freedom. Amen? Always inviting you to walk in freedom. You know what's amazing? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling unto God. Unto man? Unto God. Why? Because he's the one you'll give an account for. But here's the amazing part about that. Work out. Go, go, do, a, go do a word study on that. Work out. Uh, does that indicate a process by chance? Anybody else who got saved and they just like, man, it was done and over right there. Nope. Every single one of us are in process. And here's what I'll say. The grace of God is not going to give you permission to stay where you are. It's going to invite you to go further with God. Always, always, the grace of God will invite you to go further with God, deeper with God. Hey. Deeper into relationship, deeper into his love, deeper into his forgiveness, deeper into the ability to forgive. Come on, somebody. Listen to this story now. This is a man who took his mother in who had Alzheimer's. He didn't have much grace for his mother. Huh. The story's called Hugging Jesus. One way to hug Jesus is maybe to hug your mother or someone else that might be in the place of where people reject them. Ever since uh, mom came to live with us, I started each day disgruntled and angry. This Sunday, I woke up cranky, even though mom was away for the week visiting my sister. Praise God. I arrived at church smiling on the outside, but inside I was only there out of duty. I was annoyed to see that an intellectual scientist was going to give the children's sermon, uh, give a children's sermon. Sure, it would be a waste of time. Exactly. What is a hug? He began. He's going to talk about hugs? He's going to talk about hugs? Sure, not what I expected from him, but he carried on uh, a lopsided dialogue with three preschoolers about why people hug and why they like to be hugged. Do you know Jesus likes to be hugged? Did you know that Jesus likes to be hugged too? He asked blank stares all around. He does. When children wanted to climb up on his lap to, uh, to hug him, 
the, the big people who were with him, his friends, tried to sweep them away. But Jesus said, no, no, let them come. And they hugged him. And the Bible says he blessed them. So how can you hug Jesus? Hmm. That question has sounded within me. How can I hug Jesus? I don't know, was their only response. One way to hug Jesus is to hug your mother. Jesus said that uh, what we do to other people, we are doing to Jesus. That profound reminder struck me with a jolt. Mom has Alzheimer's and is unable to live alone. Inviting her to live with us was done as a duty. I'm not an affectionate or touchy-feely person, especially not with my mother. One way to hug Jesus is to hug your mother, he had said. Still cranky, I thought that he should uh, have said, hug your mommy and daddy to the kids and hug your parents. But then I saw the message was for me. I need to hug my mother. That evening, I talked to my mom on the phone, trying to sound loving, but honestly, thankful that she was with my sister. I miss your hugs, honey, mom said. (laughs) You always make me feel so loved. What a wonder. From the beginning, I begged God to give me love from my mother. I didn't feel it. (laughs) But I did the dutiful thing, acting the way I hoped to one day feel. And somehow God miraculously transformed the obedience into love between the time it leaves me and the time it reaches mom. God is a loving God, and I'm beginning to think that when I'm cranky, one way he wants to hug me is by the way that I hug my mother. And I would say that one way that God wants to love us, this is the manifestation of grace, if you will, the revealing of Jesus as grace in our life, is when we're capable of showing grace to others. One way of showing Jesus our love for him is to show love towards others. And there's no greater way to show that love than to extend grace. What is grace? Hmm. Please, uh, how many of you like justice? All of you that stood over here, I'll go ahead and call you out. Everybody's standing over here, right? Would you agree? Justice, man, there needs to be justice. Listen to what justice is. When you get what you deserve. This is not mine. I don't know who said this, but it was really good, and they didn't have a, a name on it. So it kind of goes unnamed, but if you hear who it belongs to, inform me. Justice, when you, justice is when you get what you deserve. What about mercy? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Here's what grace is, when you get what you don't deserve. When you get what you don't deserve, that's what grace is closer look at grace shows us that the teaching of grace uh, simply means this goodwill loving kindness and favor popular definition i think in most churches is unmerited favor that we don't have to earn grace the bible teaches us that we are saved by grace we are justified freely by god's grace through the redemption so the justice comes through god's grace in our life believe it or not jesus paid the price So justice has been served, and therefore grace can be extended. What we don't deserve, we get because he paid the price for what justice required. Listen to Romans 3.24. All are justified and made upright and in right standing with God 
freely and graciously by his grace, his unmerited favor, through the redemption which is provided in Jesus Christ. God's gift is salvation by grace, through faith, not by our works. So Christ reveals, Christ reveals to us, gives grace extended to us. Listen to this in Ephesians 2, 8-9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that anyone should boast. Titus 3, 4-7 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. There's that thing that, uh, if you will, we don't deserve. Grace is given to us because of mercy. You can come boldly before the throne of grace, is what the scripture says. That you enter boldly and come before the throne of grace. And what do you get to obtain? Success on the other side of the throne of grace. Mercy. See, y'all remember the tabernacle, and I'll be wrapping up with this. You remember the tabernacle, that you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, brazen altar, this is where sacrifice, flesh is sacrificed and burned at this point. You go beyond that brazen altar and you get to the laver, and at the laver in the tabernacle, this is Old Testament tabernacle of Moses, you get to that laver and this is where the priests wash their hands from the sacrifice, the blood and the water mingle. You get to the next spot and you have the table of showbread and the seven golden, uh, or se- the candlestick, which is uh, seven that are, that are joined in one. This is the Holy Spirit. In, in Isaiah, it speaks of the seven spirits of, uh, before the throne of God. This is seven manif- manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might. Uh, and and uh, and the spirit of might, counsel, wisdom, fear of the Lord, um, on and on. Anyway, I can't remember them off the top of my head. Go back and find it. That's the good thing about that. You can criticize me or go study it and and, and teach me too. Uh, I know it. I just can't remember them all. But the seven spirits of God before the throne of God. There's that candlestick sitting there with the oil that's in it, representative of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And over here's the table of showbread. It represents the word of God. It represents, there's the word and here's the spirit. And the spirit and the word, they agree. And then there's the golden altar, which is where the altar of incense is what it's known as. And this is where those hot, fiery coals are on there. You've heard me talk about so many times how they would put the hot coal into that little ball on the chain that you swing and fill the room with smoke, incense, right? And you put that little coal in there and it just starts smoldering and smoking. And they took those little balls on the chain when they started to smoke and they hurled them underneath the, the veil, right? Say veil. They put them under the veil. Why? So they could fill the room with smoke. Why? The high priest has got to go in. And behind the veil sets the glory of God on the mercy seat of God. They can't go in there boldly. they got to go in there concealed. they got to go in there kind of hidden in this haze where they can't really see the glory of God. See, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, we get to enter before the throne of God's grace and obtain the mercy that Jesus Christ has provided through his paying the price, providing justice for the sins of mankind. That we can come in there and grab hold of that. Now, if you take that, it really forms a perfect cross. 
that at the brazen altar, Jesus' feet are nailed. He's pierced in his side. Blood and water mingle. And on the, uh, the, 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 uh, um, the outstretched arms of Christ, his hands were nailed to the cross. This is the realm of anointing. This is the realm of the word that God partners with mankind and uses the spirit in him and the word of God in him to speak forth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So all can hear anointing, the anointed word of God in us being proclaimed and touching lives. Oh, in that heart that's the most center part of us being our altar of incense. That when the presence of the Holy Spirit comes, that inside of us something begins to burn. And it smolders up inside with the praise that we offer, that we learned in Nehemiah. Remember, they hung the gates of praise, that we begin to praise God. And you know what our praise does? It fills the room with smoke. We now can see the glory of God. We can obtain the mercy we need because we can go in there because our worship creates the, it creates the, the place of acceptance. Worship creates the place of acceptance, Pastor. No, Jesus creates that right. Worship of Jesus in you dispels darkness from you so you're filled with light and you have nothing to hide from. You remember our series on awakening, the light of the truth? That when the light comes in, what it does is illuminates. Light does what? If we shut... Uh, if we came up here in the middle of night and we turned lights on this building, darkness would leave. We talked about the sun would come up. Darkness, you don't have like this spot of darkness. I'm going to hang out here. Sun's not going to drive me away. No, sun comes up, darkness is gone, and light comes. It's the same principle that the grace of God comes in our life. Here's the reality of that. If you understand the grace of God in your life, sin can't hang out. Sin can't hang out. Why? Because, man, I've been freed in Christ. And I come to him boldly. Because that grace gives me the ability to come to him boldly. And when I come boldly to him, I get this outpouring of mercy on my life. That I couldn't have if it wasn't for his grace, the work that he did on the cross. Can you say amen? Let me read this to you. The grace of God that brings salvation is unlike Gnosticism, which shrouds itself in privileged secrecy. Is good news that God intends for everyone to hear? Is it the good news that God intends everyone to hear? Or is it just for a select few? I think it's for everyone to hear. And Jesus made it really simple. We can hear these stories and they seem somewhat complex. To go and study that out and find the pattern of the cross lays over the tabernacle. That Peter himself, when Jesus tries to wash his feet out of humility. Calling Peter into the ministry of showing forth grace to mankind. Rather than strict judgment and law. Peter says, you're not washing my feet. See, Peter saw Jesus as too high to wash his feet. Therefore, Peter would see himself too high to wash the, the feet of others. Can you understand that? The way we see things is the way that we, you know, the way that we expect it to be towards us is how we're going to be towards others for the most part. Peter's like, Jesus, look, you're not washing my feet because I wouldn't wash anybody else's feet. 
And here's what I want to suggest to you. Jesus came into this earth. He was revealed by the Father. He was revealed. Just like that veil in the temple, when Jesus died on the cross, he ripped it in half. Why? Because he had been revealed to all mankind, and there's no more concealing the matter. God's glory is there for any who would come. He was revealed. Revealed. Now, if, if I had been in the military and had an accident or on the farm, had an accident, I almost had my arm ripped off on the farm one time. Uh, anybody know what a PTO is? It's hooked up to a tractor. I had a shirt on. My mom kept throwing it away. It was my favorite shirt. And I would go in and grab that shirt out of the trash over and over again, right? And she's like, doggone it, how many times I got to throw that shirt away? I don't care. I keep looking in the trash to find it. That's my favorite shirt. I don't know why I loved it. I just did. Right? And I think Jesus knew something that I didn't know, and he was kind of taking care of me. Now, that might seem far-fetched, but I really believe that because I have two arms today. But I dig that, tra- that thing out of the trash and, and, and pat it on, and one day I reach over this PTO, and it snaps the sleeve of my shirt. And that thing was so tattered and worn out. It was so thin. My mom's like, it doesn't even, I don't understand why you wear it. It's, it's like almost no material left. And I'm telling you, that PTO grabbed that thing and <laughs> ripped the sleeve off my, my shirt instead of my arm off my body. Now, I share that to say this. If I was missing a finger under here, would you know right now? You wouldn't, would you? You would only know that when. When it's, re- if I can get a hold of the end of that, when it's revealed. Am I missing a finger? No. Now, if I was missing a finger under here, would you know? You wouldn't know. And now look. Here's the thing. Unveiling Christ, here's the deal with unveiling Christ. The Jesus was in the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, just like Rob said in the offering. He was Melchizedek. He was the angel of the Lord as well. When, when the manifestation of the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord was the Lord. And that manifestation of him in the Old Testament, it was kind of concealed. That in the New Testament, through uh, the writings and the sharing as the Holy Spirit inspired those men of God, they revealed what the Old Testament there's, there's a passage that talks about that uh, Jesus says, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. What was he saying? He was saying Moses put a serpent on a staff in the wilderness made out of bronze, a brazen serpent, that the children of Israel were being bitten by adders and asps, and, and it was basically the curse, if you will, upon them. And that when they were bitten, basically, if they saw even a glimmer, just a a little shiny sparkle off that from the sun hitting it, right? If they just saw a little bit of that serpent revealed, they would be healed. And Jesus says in the New Testament, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, he unveils what that truth was. Look, I was the one healing them, not that brazen serpent that was made and lifted up. But I was in the Old Testament. I was the one healing them them, then, and I'm the one walking around and healing folks now. He unveiled a part of himself. And over and over and over again in the New Testament when you read, Jesus is being revealed. But it's not like he hasn't always existed. He was, and he is, and he is to come. Isn't that right? He's the same yesterday, today. And forevermore. 
And so as we go through this series up to Easter, my hope is that as you're reading uh, this booklet, is that what you do is, Jesus, I love you. You're in my heart. I'm in your word. It's in me. Now, Lord, don't let me be the veil that hides it from others. Don't let me be the one that conceals the matter. Don't let me hide what you've done in my life. You take a light and you light it to put a, a bushel over it? No, you light a light to put it up where it can bring light to the whole room, correct? Jesus, don't let me conceal what you have revealed on the cross. Don't let me conceal in my life by holding back my witness of what you've done and how you saved my soul. Lord, let me be a witness so others can see and use me to reveal all that you are so they then say, here I have seen Christ revealed so that they themselves would have experienced the grace of God because they've seen that grace and the love that Jesus has expressed to give his life in place of ours. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. I know that you may need to go in a moment, and that's fine. But there's some folks in here that have been hiding Jesus in their life. He revealed himself to you. And you've been hiding him in your life. Whether it's been things that's happened, you know, good or bad, whatever it may be, it's caused you to kind of go your own way. The Bible says that all we like sheep, right, have gone astray, we've gone our own way. And here's what I want to offer. Right here, right now, the ushers or the elders and the uh, altar team will begin to make their way up here. Because now's the time to get this right and see Jesus for who he is. And don't conceal the matters that keep you separated from him any longer, but bring them to him and give them over to him so that he can be revealed through you. If Christ is not revealed through us in witness, the reason why that is is because it has been veiled again. It's been covered. It's been covered up. But Christ wants to bring his life back out of all that you are and all that he's called you to be. And so, here's what I'm going to say. If you're in that place where you just need to get some things right, then out of your seat right now and just make your way to the altar and let these folks pray for you. No hesitation. I'm going to go ahead and ask. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every single one. If that's you, just jump out of your seat right now and come down here and get it right. Don't leave this place today without laying those things on the altar of God. Now, I've never done it before, but we're not budging a muscle till some folks start getting out of their seat and coming down here and get this stuff right. That may seem embarrassing, but if the gospel, right, if you're embarrassed with who Jesus is, the Bible says this, if you're afraid to confess him before man, he won't confess you before his father. Thank you for your boldness, young man. Come get some prayer.
don't wash away my sins. Oh, Lord.